Welcome to the latest ianabernetti.com podcast. In this month's podcast, we'll be discussing karate's grappling methods. Did they ever really exist? Welcome to the latest ianabernetti.com podcast. Uh, I'd just like to start by thanking everyone for the support of these podcasts. Uh, I just can't believe how popular they are. The downloads from iTunes have been huge. We've got thousands of people uh, downloading them from our own site. Uh, the popularity on iTunes is the maximum. It's just fantastic. So, uh, yeah, thank you very, very much for your support, uh, for visiting the website, for buying the books, the DVDs, for attending the seminars. Um, all of that means that we have uh, can, can carry on producing these, uh, these freebies for you as well. So, um, yeah, massive thanks for all the support. Uh, the other bit of news this month is that the free online magazine is now live, uh, Jisen Magazine, which means that's actual combat in Japanese. Uh, that can be downloaded from ianabernethy.com, um, as well as loads of other places as well. Uh, thanks to everyone who contributed towards that. Um, again, I'm really happy with the magazine. And again, the downloads for it have been uh, huge. We've had thousands and thousands of people kind of downloading the magazine. Um, so yeah, so thank you very much for uh, for all your support, and we're, we're glad that you you like what we do. Uh, this month we're going to discuss uh, karate grappling. Uh, did it ever really exist, or is it just modern revisionism, uh, uh, response to the uh, the MMA boom? Um, these are the subjects we're going to be exploring in this month's uh, podcast. Um, yep, so I'll shut up and we'll get on with it. Um, did grappling in karate ever really exist? Okay, so as you've just heard, we're going to discuss, did grappling within karate ever really exist? Yes. Uh, Thanks very much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed uh, this month's podcast, and I'll speak to you again soon. Okay, okay, I know, I just couldn't resist, you know. You know where I'm going with this question anyway, so I'll stop, you know, f***ing about, and we'll uh, get back to the, uh, the podcast proper. In this podcast, I'd like to ask if karate really does contain any grappling. I mean, this is a potentially controversial subject, as I found out when I wrote my book on the uh, on karate's grappling in the year 2000. Uh, the passing of the years has done little to diminish this controversy, and certainly whilst there's a solid interest in this area of study within parts of the traditional community, there are many martial artists, uh, both from the traditional and modern fraternity, that believe such methods uh, never existed within karate. Uh, the traditionalists generally protest on the ground that their sensei never taught them any grappling methods, and hence the feel that karate grappling is nothing more than uh, modernist revisionism. Uh, the modernists state that karate grappling is direct response to the MMA boom, and again believe that such methods uh, never existed uh, prior to the advent of the UFC in 1993. Um, so what's the evidence for karate grappling? Did it ever exist before 1993, or is it truly just uh, modernist revisionism? Uh, One of the first things we need to explore is what type of karate we are talking about when we refer to uh, karate grappling. Um, In the 1908, the purpose of traditional karate was clearly defined by Anko Itosu. In a letter to the uh, Okinawan Education Authority uh, outlining the nature of karate, 
Um, he wrote, uh, Karate is not intended to be used against a single opponent, but instead as a way of avoiding injury by using the hands and feet should one by any chance be confronted by a villain or ruffian. Uh, so what Otosu is telling us is that the original karate was not designed for dealing with a single skilled martial artist in a ring or in the dojo, but it was instead designed as a means to keep ourselves safe in civilian self-protection situations. Um, this is this is an important point, and we'll return to that uh, shortly. In the same letter, Itoso also states, Enter, counter, withdraw is a rule for Torite. Now, Torite is an old ter term for grappling, which uh, roughly translated means seizing hands. Um, Itosu is therefore telling us that the karate way of dealing with civilian grappling is to get in there, or enter, uh, to do some damage, counter, uh, and then, once it's possible, to flee or, or withdraw. Now, as we shall see later, some of Itosu's students recorded examples of this strategy in their, uh, in their own works. So from Itosu's outline of karate, we can see that the karate of the 1900s did not concern itself without fighting a single opponent. Now, modern karate might, and you know that's something we may do, but the karate of the 1900s didn't uh, concentrate on that aspect. Instead, uh, the karate of the 1900 focused on the simple and direct methods needed to ensure safety in civilian situations. Um, so we can also see that the karate of that time did address grappling in the civilian environment. However, karate did not contain the grappling methods for dealing with a skilled, in Itosu's words, single opponent. Uh, therefore, those that state skilled MMA-style grappling can be found within traditional kata are quite wrong. Um, MMA grappling is of such a level to be able to deal with both um, a skilled square go uh, and the civilian environment when it's put into context simplified and the illegal methods are added back in. Uh, but traditional karate grappling does not address a consensual fight with a skilled opponent. Uh, further evidence that the methods within kata are not for a skilled square go can be found in uh, Soshin Nagamini's book uh, Tales of Okinawa's Great Masters, which is you know, translated by uh, Patrick McCarthy. Uh, in the book, he recalls uh, the words of his teacher, uh, Motobu. Uh, Motobu studied for a time under Anko Itosu. Uh, he expressed great disdain for any method not directly applicable to self-defense, and he tested his skills in hundreds of real fights in the uh, rougher areas of Okinawa, which was a practice that eventually led to Itosu expelling Motobu from his dojo. Uh, Nagamini tells us that Motobu said, uh, The applications of kata have their limits, and one must come to understand this. The techniques of the kata were never developed to be used against a professional fighter in an arena or on a battlefield. They were, however, most effective against someone who has no idea of the strategy being used to counter their aggressive behaviour. Um, that's not to say that karate is in any way deficient. It simply means it was designed for a certain set of uh, circumstances. And we need to be clear on what kind of grappling we are discussing. Now, if you think of the direct, low-level methods that most martial artists would utilise in actual self-defence, as opposed to the methods that martial artists will use when they're trying to outsmart one another, then that's the karate of the 1900s, and that's the methods recorded in kata. Now, having established the nature of the methods within karate, uh, what further evidence is there that any kind of grappling existed within karate prior to the grappling boom of the 1990s? And, you know, where does grappling fit into old-school uh, karate? In the 1935 book Karate Do Kyohan, Gichin Furukoshi, who is another student of Itosu and the founder of Shotokan Karate, um, he wrote, In karate, hitting, thrusting and kicking are not the only methods. Throwing techniques and pressure against joints are also included. All of these techniques should be studied referring to basic kata. Um, so 58 years prior to the launch of the UFC, we have one of the key architects of modern karate, telling us that karate includes throws and locks and that these methods are uh, found within kata. 
Uh, what's key for me is that in the same section he also writes, uh, one must keep in mind that since the essence of karate is found in a single thrust or kick, and one should never be grasped by or grapple with an opponent, one must be careful not to be defeated through concern with throwing an opponent or applying a joint punishment hold. Now to me this again reflects karate's civilian nature. Willingly engaging in a grapple means you're in the fight for the long haul and escape becomes much more difficult. Uh, the primary method is therefore to hit hard and fast and then flee. Now this is perhaps a discussion for another podcast, but Funakoshi is quite clear that the key to self-protection is awareness and avoidance. Now if that fails, Funakoshi tells us that we should deceive the assailant, or show no intention of attacking, and then preemptively strike and flee. Now this method is exactly what today's leading self-protection experts also advise. Now also in accordance with today's leading self-protection experts, Funakoshi is clear that grappling is a support system, and that striking must always be given the priority. We must never seek grappling in the first instance in self-defence situations. In the original 1935 edition of Karate Do Kyohan, uh, we can see a number of throws and locks, and Funakoshi uh, occasionally refers to where these methods can be found in kata. Um, now, despite the fact that Funakoshi discusses and demonstrates many throws in his master text, there are still many modern Shotokan practitioners who deny that throwing is part of their art. Funakoshi also discusses uh, Torite methods in Karate Do Kyohan, and in line with his teacher Anko Itosu's advice, he shows numerous escapes from common civilian grappling positions. Uh, things like uh, from escaping from hair grabs, uh, front and back bear hugs, uh, single and double clothing grabs, uh, having your neck seized, and, and so on. Uh, Funakoshi stresses the importance of such methods and recommends their regular practice. So, so far we've seen that Funakoshi, Motobu, Itosu uh, describe grappling in karate as being uh, simple methods that are there to back up the striking and to facilitate escape in self-defense situations. So I'd now I'd like to look at some other historical references to uh, karate grappling. One of the most important books in karate is uh, the Babishi. Now the word Babishi roughly translates as martial arts training manual. As most martial artists are aware, karate is broadly speaking a fusion of uh, the indigenous Okinawan fighting methods and Chinese Kempo. Uh, the Babishi deals with two styles that help form the basis of karate, uh, those styles being uh, white crane and monkfish boxing. Uh, most of the past masters of karate had a copy of this book and drew from it in their writings and their teaching. Uh, the Babishi contains an entire chapter on grappling and escapes, and um, although the methods contained within the Babishi are not very sophisticated, they're as effective as they are brutal. Uh, the Babishi's 29th chapter also contains 48 self-defense diagrams. Many of these uh, include grappling techniques, and these grappling techniques can, are instantly recognizable from uh, traditional kata. Um, Kenwa Mabuni, the founder of Shitoru and yet another uh, student of Itosu, was one of the first to express concern that the grappling side of karate was being neglected as the art made its move from uh, Okinawa to mainland Japan. In the 1938 book Karate Do Nyum Wan, uh, Mabuni said that karate uh, that was practiced on the mainland was an incomplete version of the art and that people were wrong to think that karate was devoid of grappling. Uh, he went on to say that those who did not practice karate in its entirety were learning a hollow version of the art. Now, aside from the grappling in karate, it's a little-known fact that Mabuni also taught uh, Shinden Fudoru Jiu-Jitsu to his students, including uh, Choji Rutani, the founder of Shukakai Karate. So not only did Mabuni train in the grappling side of karate, he also supplemented his grappling study with methods uh, from other arts. Another karateka to train in Jiu-Jitsu and to make it part of their karate was Hironori Uzuka, uh, the founder of Wadaru Karate. 
Azuka reached Grand Master level in Shindo Yoshinru Jiu-Jitsu after many years of study under uh, Tsuburo Nakayama. Uh, in the two-man drills of Wado, we can also see locks and throws and even ground-fighting techniques such as uh, Jujigatami or, or cross-lock. So from the examples of Mabuni and Azuka, we can see that cross-training, far from being the blasphemy that many modern traditionalists would have it to be, is in fact a traditional practice. Uh, therefore, the karateka that wishes to build on the basic grappling methods of karate should not be made to feel like they're abandoning their arts for doing so. Uh, I personally see my own study of dedicated grappling arts to be following the footsteps of many of karate's uh, key figures. One grappling system that had a massive influence on karate was the Okinawan art of Tagumi. Um, some martial art historians believe that uh, karate is in fact a fusion of various styles of, of Chinese Kempo and Tagumi. It's even been suggested that the name karate reflects this combination by using the character for Chinese, pronounced kara, uh, kara, which was later substituted with the character for empty, which is also pronounced kara, uh, kara. But the original Chinese was there to reflect the influence of Chinese Kempo, and the character for hand, te, uh, was there to reflect the native uh, grappling methods of Tagumi. Uh, Tagumi is an art in its own right. is probably best described by someone who engaged in it firsthand. In his book, Karate Do My Way of Life, Gichin Funakoshi uh, wrote the following. He said, Okinawan wrestling has certain unique features. As with karate, its origins are unknown, and many Okinawans suppose there must have been a relationship of sorts between the two. The Okinawan name for our style of wrestling is Tagumi, and you should write the word, uh, to write the word, you would use the same two Chinese characters that are used to write karate's kumite, except that they are reversed. Tagumi is, of course, a far simpler and primitive sport than karate. In fact, there are few rules. The bout begins as sumo does with the two opponents pushing against each other. Then, as it proceeds, grappling and throwing techniques are used. When I watch wrestling on television nowadays, I am often reminded of the Tagumi of my Okinawan youth. To stop the fight, all that any boy who felt he had had enough needed to do was pat his opponent's body. Some boys, however, were so dauntless that they would go on fighting until they were knocked out. In such cases, it would be the duty of the referee to try to stop the bout before that happened. Like every other Okinawan boy, I spent many happy hours engaging in or watching Tagumi bouts. But it was only up, uh, after taking up karate seriously that I came to realise that Tagumi offers a unique opportunity for training. So that's kind of the, you know, the edited highlights of what Funakoshi has to say about Tagumi. But here we have the man who is frequently regarded as the father of modern karate, telling us of the crude submission grappling bouts of his youth. Um, he tells us that the bouts are ended by tapping out, and unlike most kind of um, forms of wrestling where it's unbalancing that wins the day, Funakoshi tells us it was actual submission that decided who would win these Tagumi bouts. Um, in his book, Karate Do My Way of Life, he uh, then goes on to explain how he and his friends would engage in Tagumi bouts against multiple opponents, uh, with the aim being to avoid being seized and taken down, which is very much in line with the self-defense nature of karate. Uh, Funakoshi states, I seldom had any great difficulty thrusting back a single opponent, but my difficulties increased greatly as the number of my opponents increased. Then, if I attacked one opponent, the others would find an opening in which to attack me. It is hard to think of a better way than this to learn how to defend oneself against more than one opponent. And if this sounds like nothing more than a children's game, I can assure you that those of us engaged in it took it very seriously. Um, Funakoshi also describes bouts where people would attempt to hold him down as he attempted to regain his feet. Now, as we know, regaining an upright position is, of course, a key ground-fighting skill required for self-defense. Now, for any skill to have value, it needs to be drilled live. 
Uh, in my own dojo, we use the phrase, if you haven't done it live, you haven't done it. Uh, this reminds us of the vitally important fact that skills need to be drilled live. Um, compliant drills just aren't going to cut it in a live situation. Now, as part of our sparring, we grapple for submission. Uh, we practice live disengagement from grips. Uh, we drill fleeing from multiple opponents who can hold and strike uh, to a predetermined safe zone. And we start from a hold down and fight back to our feet. Now, hopefully, the, the practicality of such training is, is beyond question. But, but some people from within the traditional karate community lambast such training for either being not traditional or even not even karate. However, the father of modern karate himself engaged in such methods and felt they represented a unique opportunity for training for the karateka. So where does all of this leave us? I mean, the fact is there's a huge amount of historical references to karate grappling, and in writing this uh, podcast, I truly was spoilt for choice. It was very difficult for me to decide which references to use and which ones to leave out. Now, interesting, karate's grappling methods have certainly been greatly amplified by the rise of the UFC and MMA. However, there's no escaping the fact that karate grappling was around for a very long time before 1993. Uh, the majority of the texts referenced in this podcast were published many decades prior to that date. However, we need to be at 100% clear that the grappling of karate is not comparable to the highly skilled grappling exhibited by MMA practitioners. It is, by design, very crude by comparison, and as I said in the year 2000 in my Karate's Grappling Methods book, if your aim is to compete in sport grappling, or to possess the skills needed to out-wrestle a trained grappler, then you need to take up a dedicated grappling art. Uh, the modernists who state Karate Grappling is the direct response to the MMA boom are wrong. We have seen that karate's grappling methods existed long before the rise of MMA. However, interest in that side of the art certainly owes a lot uh, to MMA, which is just one more reason why I like it and think that the martial art world owes it a great deal. Um, we've also seen that karate grappling is not in the same league as MMA grappling, and therefore those who say that MMA methods were in kata all along are also wrong. Uh, the traditionalists that protest to karate grappling on the grounds that their sensei never taught them such methods need to explore their art in the depth it deserves. Most of all the references quoted in this podcast are readily available and they should be studied by all serious karateka. Whether your sensei taught you these methods or not, there's no doubt that the architects of modern karate practiced grappling and regarded it as an essential part of their art. I mean, certainly karate has neglected its grappling since the widespread growth of the art, but there have been many attempts to get people to reconsider the sin of omission. Agami, in his 1975 book The Heart of Karate Do, uh, wrote about the neglect of karate's grappling methods. Agami wrote, There are also throwing techniques in karate. Throwing techniques were practiced in my day, and I recommend that you reconsider them. Uh, another relatively recent book, well, you know, within the last 30 years, that makes reference to karate grappling and that urges us to uh, include such methods in our training is Henry Plee's 1967 book, Karate Beginner to Black Belt. In the book, Plee, who was one of the pioneers of karate in Europe, he said, One must not lose sight of the fact that karate is all in fighting. Everything is allowed. This is why karate is based on blows delivered with the hand, the foot, the head or the knee. Equally permissible are strangles, throwing techniques and locks. So we can see that even 30 years ago, people were asking us to return to the, the core of karate and re-examine the, uh, the grappling methods that were part of it. Now surely there's never been a better time now for us to return to this core of karate and practice the art as the holistic civilian combat system that it originally was. Uh, time will tell if we will embrace this opportunity or to continue to deny what is in plain sight for anyone who cares to look. 
And I really enjoy training in and studying the nature of original karate, and it's my hope that this podcast will encourage a few others to explore this aspect of the art for themselves. <laughs> After all, it's it's loads of fun, you know. It's, it's it's like when I'm at the seminars, I always say it's like discovering that your house has another room. There's an, another part of this art that we all really enjoy practicing, and it, it's a part that will make the art more effective and more holistic and and more enjoyable. So that concludes this month's podcast. Uh, thanks very much for your support of them. Again, uh, feedback always welcome at uh, www.ianabernethy, spelled I-A-I-N-A-B-E-R-N-E-T-H-Y.com. That's ianabernethy.com. And, yeah, so thanks very much for your support of the podcast. Uh, honestly, can't thank you enough uh, for that. And uh, hope you have a great time until I see you next time. Okay, thanks very much. Bye now.